doing today? You got me? All right. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hey, uh, so much going on. So excited about everything that God is doing. Wow, 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 wow. Good times. Amen. Allison was a little bit nicer about it than, I, than, than I'm going to be. Allison said, we hope, we hope that you're inviting someone to Christmas service. I'm here to say that like, if you're not inviting to someone to Christmas service after the 10-week series that we've been through, you're backslidden. <laughs> you, listen, we're doing everything within our power to get people to come to church. This, we have to understand, as Christians, we have to understand that there are a couple of moments in time throughout the year, namely Christmas and Easter, where people have the conviction of the Holy Spirit coming upon them outside of the church that they need to be going to church. We are giving you the tools to help us to make the most and help you make the most of this opportunity. Number one, we're sending out mailers. 5,000 of these went out to all of our neighbors. So... These are out there. People are seeing them. They're in mailboxes. Now we're putting in your hands these invite cards. They match on purpose. And then we'll have digital stuff coming out all throughout the season. That matches on purpose. So they see it here. They see it there. They see it everywhere. Suddenly they're like, oh, yeah, I'll go. Now, tie that together with the Christmas prayer and invite list that we handed out today. Last week, we talked about pray for open doors. Who are you going to invite to Christmas service? If you didn't get one of these on the way, then that's okay. We, we started handing them out like after about 10% of you got through, I think. But Christmas prayer and invite list, make a list. Make a list. Post this on your fridge right there where it's going to hit you, wherever it is that you're going to see it. Maybe on, maybe on the bathroom mirror where you brush your teeth for two minutes. Two minutes is enough time to pray for 10 people. Trust me. Pray. Pray for them by name. You don't have to pray out loud, especially if you're brushing your teeth. That'd be a dirty mirror to clean every day. Pray for them. And then grab some invite cards. If you didn't get handed some, go get some. And then invite somebody. Say, hey, I'd like to invite you to church. When is it? It's on the card. 4 and 6 p.m. Kids presentation, 4 p.m. That's really small, but you can read it. You may, maybe you got to zoom in a little bit. Invite, 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 invite. How many of you here, if you were to be honest, came here because someone invited you? I did. Someone invited me. How did you come to Christ? Somebody probably invited you to church for the very first time, and that's why you're here. Most people come to church. Most people come to Christ because of personal invitation. You're invited into that process. Invite someone to church. Why are we having two services? Because every single one of you should be bringing at least one person. Every single one of you should be bringing at least one person to Christmas Eve service. Just do the math. There's not enough seats. We need two services. All right, I'll let go of that and I'll move on. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. So today we start a new, um, also with the mailer. Hey, put this up on your fridge and pray over these too. Because these are going out to households, 5,000 all around this week, they're hitting mailboxes, so these are going to be hitting people's homes. Pray for open doors. Pray that this would just draw people in. We've had it happen before where they just got the mailer. Nobody else talked to them, and they came to church. So pray for the effectiveness 
of the mailer this week. Amen? Prayer changes things. This is why we have the prayer list. We need to be a people of prayer. You want things to change in your life? Pray. 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 As you pray, God moves and changes things that you can't change. Do you want heaven to fight for you? Pray. All right. We're kicking off a, a new sermon series. It's entitled The Gift. Christmas message is going to be the gift of peace. And so you're going to see this, uh, this graphic a few more times. Today I want to talk about what gift will you bring? What gift will you bring? You see we've got the, the platform all decorated with all of these gifts. We, we, Christmas is a time of gift giving. Some of us, we shop too much. We buy too many things. We give too many gifts. It's just, a, it's just a, it's an overflow of your generous spirit. And so, you know, when, when our kids were little, we had four, four kids. Our tree, you couldn't even get near the thing. You couldn't get within 10 feet of it because there's gifts underneath. We'd buy gifts for them. They'd buy gifts for us. We had gifts for the aunts and uncles and cousins and grandma and grandpa. The whole room, forget. That whole quarter of the room, forget it. How many of you are with me? Gifts everywhere. What about Jesus? What about Jesus? And so today I'm going to begin the story of Christmas by talking about the end of the story. I'm going to talk about the wise men. The wise men who brought gifts to Jesus. And so as we go through today, the end question, and I'm going to throw it out here at the beginning, is what gift will you bring? What gift will you bring to Jesus this Christmas? We spend all of this time, you know, if you're like me and you're married, you start listening months and months and months and months ago about anything that your wife might mention that she might want for Christmas. And so I've been listening. I have tuned my ear. And when she says, oh, that's nice, or she says, you know what I'd really like? All of a sudden, my ears go, ding, 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 hey, this should be a sign, gentlemen, husbands, there should be an alarm going off in, your, in, your, in the inside of your brain. Listen up, buddy. Here it is. She's doing the work for you. <laughs> it's not, I figured it out. It's not that hard. All we have to do is pay attention, which is another great challenge, which is another great challenge. I'm with you. I know. You know what I'd really like? And so I've trained myself. I listen. And when she says something, I make a mental note. Sometimes I actually make a physical note. There have been times where I pull out my phone and I'll go to notes and I'll type in Christmas presents for Stacy, and I will put down A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I don't know how many gifts we're buying this year. I don't know what the, the, the budget is, right? I write it down. Why? Because my, my, I don't remember things. Anybody with me? Okay. So if we do that for our loved ones here on the earth, how much more, how much more, hmm, <laughs> Should we do this for Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. I want to buy a really good gift for my wife because 
She loves me. She goes out of the way. She makes me feel special day after day after day. There's not a day that goes by where I don't have a, a great appreciation for her and for all that she does for me. We're married. We're partners in crime. I mean, partners in life. And uh, she loves me, and I love to do things for her. But if we were to be honest with ourselves, who loves us more than our own spouse? Who loves us more than our mother and our father? Who loves us more than our children? Jesus does. The Bible tells us that before the foundations of the world, Jesus Christ was crucified. Before there was ever a problem with sin, God set Jesus made the plan for Jesus to be on the throne so that we could come to salvation. Before God made the earth, before the foundations of the earth, God gave the greatest gift that would ever be given in human history, Jesus Christ, his son. And so as we celebrate with gift giving this Christmas, let's remember the greatest gift ever given, Jesus. And let's think about what we might bring as a gift for him, amen? amen? All right. 1 John 4, 10 through 11 says this, in this is the love of God, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So if you have the New King James Bible like I do, and you have that word there, propitiation, take your pen out. And mark your Bible up and put a little thing in it, getting off to the column on the side, and write down substitute offering, substitute payment. And so that's what propitiation is. Jesus is the substitute offering. He's the substitute payment for our sins. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to pay the price that we could not pay for ourselves. Because of sin in our lives, your life and mine, what is sin? Sin is disobedience to God. And so because of sin in your life and in mine, we owe a debt to God that we have no way to pay. We can't earn enough. We can't do enough. Doing good works doesn't earn us the way into heaven. Being good enough doesn't earn us the way into heaven. It's not this giant scale about do I do enough good to outweigh the bad? No. There is a price to be paid for sin, and we don't have the payment. Only Jesus does, and this is why we need his payment. He is the propitiation. He is the substitute offering. He is the substitute sacrifice. He's the substitute payment for our sins. He, God did this because he loves us. He did this. He sent Jesus because he loves us. 1 John 4, 19, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We love God because he first loved us. While we were sinners, God loved us. While we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, God gave us a gift. While we were still far, while we were enemies, while we were his enemies, God loved us sent Jesus, paid the price. We now can love God because he loved us. So many times we th see throughout scripture, the Bible telling us that we can do something because God first did it for us. We love others because God loved us. We love God because God first loved us. We serve others because Jesus first served us. 
over and over and over again. When God does something toward us, it empowers us to be able to do that towards others and back towards God. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Here it is. He gave, he gave, 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 gave the perfect gift of his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You know this scripture. I know you know this scripture. It's about the giving heart of our father. God is a generous God. He loves to give good gifts to his children even when we don't deserve it. Matthew 2, 1 through 4, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. And he gathered all of the chief priests and the scribes and the people together, and he said, Where he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. There's a lot of things here in this scripture that are very interesting to me. So if you know, right, the prophecies about the Messiah had been dried up for this point at about 400 years. If you know, the Messiah was the greatest point of time in turning in human history. The Messiah is what the Jews were waiting for and are still waiting for with bated anticipation because they don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. We know that Jesus was the Messiah. What gets me is if you have the scriptures and if you have the testimonies, 400 of them, and you're serious about this thing called religion, why aren't you posting somebody out there in Bethlehem, maybe a whole group of people, you know that that's where he's going to be born. I'm all about saying like, hey, let's get 40 or 50 priests and let's send them on down there and let's keep track and let's keep watch. I don't know how big the city of Jerusalem was. I don't know how many babies they had born every year. But let's go to every single birth that happens in the city of Bethlehem and let's just make sure we don't miss this one thing. I think it's more than a little important. It's more than a little important. If there's a star that's going to rise in the east, I, I have to be honest with you. When I, when I, when I did my uh, research and I, and I took this scripture and I went back and I found the prophecy that, that this speaks of, I'm like, wow. I'm like, that's crazy that that's what they're talking about and that that would be the star. So I didn't miss it. I, I kind of missed it when I read through it without knowing that this was talking about the birth of Jesus. But the reality is, is that the people, the Pharisees, they knew that this meant, they knew it. They knew just like the wise men that this star that was to rise in the east would be Jesus' star. Why in the world don't we have a team of astrologists if we know that this is what's going to happen? Why don't we have a team of astrologists to just sit there day and night and just look for the star, look at the skies every single night? Let's get a team together. I, I, where is the, where is the, the leadership here? <laughs> I'm sorry, but the, I, there's one thing. I, I understand everything else, guys, but there's one thing. And it's the Messiah. When he comes, how many of us were waiting for the day of Jesus' return? Anybody? Anybody in this room? I mean, raise your hands now. Yeah, I know. I get, get confused with the hands. Yeah. How many of us turn on the news? Don't turn on the news. How many of us turn on the news and like, is Jesus coming back? Is Jesus? How many of us watch the skies? 
How many of us wait? We're, we're waiting for that day when Jesus splits the sky and he comes back on a cloud and he gathers us to himself. I can't wait. I mean, it'll happen when it happens, but I eagerly anticipate and I look to the clouds. Often I'm like, Jesus? I, get, I, watch the, I don't watch the news, but I'll see news, right? Because it's on everywhere as you go. I see the news and I'm like, Jesus? Let me go check the sky for a minute. Hold up. With a great thunderclap, you won't miss it. You can't miss this. He comes, and they know. They know the scriptures. Yeah, he's going to be born in Jerusalem. Or he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And so, verse 5, so they, they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel, referring to the Messiah. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem. And he said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. The wise men were from the east. Most likely they were from Babylon. When the, when the Babylonians, uh, when, the, yeah, uh, when the Babylonians had come and, and, de and destroyed and taken captive the people of Israel, they carried them away. They took their texts with them. They took the Old, Old Testament scriptures with them and they carried them to Babylon and they had them there, and there were still wise men there in Babylon that would read these texts, even though it's now Persia. They're reading these texts, and they're understanding. They know, they, they have an astrological uh, background, so they know the stars in the skies, and they see Jesus' star just like it was prophesied in the Old Testament. And so these wise men, they set out from Babylon with all of their gifts. It doesn't tell us how many wise men there are. We traditionally think that there's three because there's only three listed. But we don't know that there wasn't 20 and they all carried the same gifts. We don't know how many there were. I think there was a lot more than three. And they brought gifts to Jesus. They searched carefully for the young child. And when they had heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them until it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Come on. I don't know, guys. This is some kind of a star that you and I have never seen before. They see it in the east. From where they're standing in Babylon, they see it in the east. Jerusalem would have been to the east. And so they set out to Jerusalem. They inquire of King Herod. They come out of the royal palace from having talked with King Herod. Now the star is moving like a helicopter light up in the sky, except there's no noise. I don't know. What did it look like? What did it look like for the star to be moving and guiding them? But they're being guided by a star. The supernatural comes, and you can't explain the supernatural by natural means. I don't know what the star was. I don't know how it floated. I don't know how it guided them. I don't know how it led them, but it did. And it led them right to where Jesus was, and then the star stopped. It stood still, and they're like, I know that this is the place because here we are. And then they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They didn't just re rejoice with joy. 
We can, oh, let's back up. We can rejoice. Yay, God. We can rejoice with joy. Yay, God. We can rejoice with great joy. Yeah. And then we can enjoy, rejoice with exceedingly great joy. You're all waiting. <laughs> Come on, you show me. Somebody else show me. Amen. With exceedingly great joy. I'm all about joy, guys. I love this. I'm on the, I'm on the track. I want, I don't, joy's not enough. Great joy's not enough. I want, I'm here for the exceedingly great joy. We're on another level. We're talking about a whole nother level. How many of you got joy? I'm not seeing many hands. I'm worried. How many of you got great joy? How many of you got the exceedingly great joy? Come on. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you've been here for more than a minute, you know I am about joy. I am all about joy. It's been about joy. It's not going to stop being about joy. Joy is, a, joy is an expression of the kingdom. If you're living in the kingdom and you're living from the kingdom, you're going to exude joy. People all around you are going to ask you, why are you so happy? It's not happy. I'm not happy. I'm joyful. There's a difference. And so people have been asking me for years, why are you so joyful? I'm telling you what, I'm going to another level because I see it. They were exceedingly great joy. That's for me. I'll take it. That's mine. It's mine. I don't know what it looks like, but you're all in trouble. I know that for sure. Matthew 2, verse 11. And when they had come into the house and they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, they fell down and they worshiped him. How long had they been looking for the star? Over for over, over 400 years. Was it 800 years, 700 years since they had been in captivity of Jerusalem? I can't remember the exact date. It had been a long time. It was a very long time. How long had they been looking for the star? For a minute. For a good long minute. For a long, 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 long time. In excess of 400, possibly 700 years. They're looking for the star. They're waiting. And finally... Not only did they find the star, not only did the star lead them to the, lead them to the manger, lead them to the, but now, here they are, they find the one that they came and they brought all these gifts for. I remember uh, the first time we ever took our kids to Florida to take them to Disney World. And we left, you know, it was a long journey. Talk about some long journeys. Probably took the wise men better part of a week or two to get to, from Babylon to, to Jerusalem. They're traveling on camels. They're traveling slow. We're in a car, two days. So after the second day, late in the, early in the afternoon, we finally hit the border of Florida. Like, and we're, right, the kids by now, it's been two days in the car. The kids understand, right? Here's the trip. And we hit the line of the, the border of Florida around one o'clock, maybe noontime, somewhere around there. And they're like, where's Disney? <laughs> like, no, 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 we got another three hours. Calm yourself. Oh. Right? So then, all right, so they, they, they re-up. They're like, okay, we can do this. We're going to make it. And we, we finally get there, and we're coming down. And I'd been gone there. I had gone there several times with my parents, and so I know that, I know that there's this back way in to the campground where we were going to be staying. And uh, 
I said to my wife, I said, we're not going to go in the back way. We got to go in the front door because we got to go through the main gate. And so it's a little bit longer to go that way. It takes about 15 minutes longer, but we haven't been in the car for 24 hours. So what's another 15 minutes? And so we pull around and we come in and we go through the main gate. And if you've never been there before, if you've never driven there before, there's this great big arch that goes up over the, over the roadway and it says, Walt Disney World. And so we finally get there and we hit the road and here's the big thing. And then, you know, you drive down the road further and you can see the castle. We finally made it to a worldly destination. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the joy that was in our hearts to have finally made it. Oh, yeah, we're here, the happiest place on earth. Happiness is not joy, happiest place on earth. Great. What must it have been like for these wise men? Been looking for this star for hundreds of years. Come on. They finally see it. There it is. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, yo, get your gold. We'll see you in a minute. Get your gold, all of it, as much as you got. But let's go, because this is it. We found it. This is it. This is, this is what we've been waiting for. Let's go. And so they set out this journey, weeks. They come to Herod. Herod has no answer. He's like, what are you talking about? I don't know anything about this. I didn't see the star. Pharisees, the, the priests, they're like, we don't know. We didn't see the star. We know he's going to be born in Bethlehem. You should go to Bethlehem. That's where he's going to be. I'm telling you right now. Oh, I don't know. Have you seen the, the, um, the new series? What's it? Chosen? Ah, I have, my heart breaks for, for Nicodemus. No. Nope. What's his name? Is it Nicodemus? He's, he's no, it's Nicodemus. He's waited his whole life. He's served God his whole life. Jesus invites him. This is in the, in the movie. This isn't from the Bible. Jesus invites him to go with him, and he can't say yes. I could just, I, I can't watch that scene without absolutely crying. How can you not say yes? I'm telling you what, right now, guys, I'm in that, I'm in that palace with Herod, and the, the wise men come in, and they're like, where is he to be born? We saw his star in the east. I'm not going to just say, oh, he's down in Bethlehem. You should go see him. I'm like, I'm out of here. I'll see you there. I don't care. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? They fell down and they worshiped him. Of course they did. Of course they did. Of course they did. Oh, Jesus, I don't even know. Like, you know, we come in here on a Sunday morning and we worship and the presence of God comes and it fills the room, right? Right, you can feel it, right? I can feel it. You can feel it. Jesus was just born. Jesus, literally, even if it, even if it had been nine months, because, right, he was, right, it takes nine months for a baby, right? But he had just been born. So what must it have been like for Jesus to come from heaven to earth? How much presence was there in that room? Why did they fall down and worship him? Because they couldn't physically stand. They couldn't physically stand. I'm sure of it. I, just talking about it, I want to fall down and I want to worship him. Why? Because he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Every knee shall bow. 
You know, I've often wondered about that scripture, every knee shall bow. A friend of mine was telling me he was in a, in a service, and I've told you this story before, but it bears telling again because there's still mileage on Friend of me, friend of mine was telling me he was in a, in a service, 3,000 people, South America, and Jesus walked into the room from the back of the room, and from the back of the room to the front of the room, every single person fell down, face down on the floor, fell to their knees, face down on the floor. My friend, who doesn't go down, he doesn't do the, the, the courtesy fall, you know, people are falling, I'll fall too. No, 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 if you're not going to, like, bring the presence, he's not going down. And he's a large man. He went down in the spirit, and he physically could not move his body except just a little bit to turn his head to catch just a little glimpse of this figure as he walked down to the front and out the side. It was Jesus walked into the room. Every single person in the room had to bow, had to bow. Why doesn't Jesus come and physically appear in our worship ceremonies? Because there would be no option to worship. It's mandatory. You don't have a choice. Your physical body has to do what Jesus tells it to do at that moment. He wants optional worship. They came into the room and they worshipped him. They fell down and they worshipped him. Are we worshippers of God? You know, sometimes I think, I'm actually convinced in and of myself that the worship is actually more important than, than everything else that we do. And everything else that we do is actually a form of worship. But the script, reading of scriptures have to take precedence over everything because if they don't, then we could get into worshipping wrongly. Oh... And so now I hope just with that brief thing, you understand a little bit of why we do what we do the way we do it. Worshiping God is the most important thing you will do. But in understanding the scriptures so that you can worship him correctly, true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. We must worship the way God tells us to worship him and we can't worship any other way. They fell down and they worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, of frankincense, and of myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed to their own country another way. So you'll read a little while later that Herod wanted to kill Jesus. And so a little while later, Herod sends his army and they go down and they kill everyone under three years old within the town because they wanted to be sure that they killed Jesus, except that God had already warned Joseph and he took Jesus to Egypt. But I want to take and I want to stop here and I want to look carefully at the gifts that were given because they're not coincidental. They didn't just haphazardly pick up a few gifts and say, hey, these are good. It wasn't like a last minute stop at the five and dime on their way. They didn't just happen into the neighborhood marketplace and be like, hey, what looks good to you? They had, I believe, prepared these gifts for years and years. They presented to him gifts of gold. Gold. Most, worth, most valuable metal in the day. Still the most valuable metal today. $1,798 per ounce. $1,798 per ounce gold today. They presented him gifts of gold. Gold. Gold's the gift that you give to kings. Gold is the gift that you give to kings. So in giving them the gift of gold, they're saying, you are the king. You are the king of Israel who is to come. You are the king. You are the king of kings. And so we bring you our gift of gold. Gold is the gift 
that you give to a king. And frankincense. Frankincense was a, a fragrance. It was a spice that was used by the priest. And so in giving the gift of frankincense to Jesus at his birth, they're saying, you are king at your birth. They're saying, you are priest at your birth. You are the priest. You are the priest. You are the high priest. Hebrews will tell us the, the, the king priest, Melchizedek. Jesus was of the order of Melchizedek. He was the king priest who sits He's a king and he's a priest. And he sits at the right hand of God to make intercession for us. To do what the priest did for Israel, he does himself for all of us. This is Jesus in heaven. He takes our prayers and he brings them before the Lord and he presents them for us. Wow. You are the king. You are the priest. You're king of kings. You're priest of priests. And they presented to him myrrh. Myrrh was, was, um, had several functions. One, it was uh, uh, used in the anointing oil. Two, it was very commonly used by prophets. So they're declaring that Jesus is a prophet. But third and most importantly, it was used as an embalming sp spice. It was used when, when they were anointing the, the people for burial. And so in doing so, they're, pro they're proclamating they're proclaiming and they're even prophesying that Jesus was born to die. He was born to die. And so these were the gifts that they brought. They didn't, this wasn't haphazard. They thought this out well ahead of time. They had searched the scriptures. They knew who he was supposed to be when he came, when he comes. He is the king of Israel. He is the king of kings. He is the high priest. He's the high priest that will, will remain forever. Hebrews tells us, according to the order of Melchizedek, he is born to die. He will suffer and die and was buried the third day. He is all of these things. This is what the Messiah has come to do, and we will give him gifts accordingly. I don't think that they gave him just a little. Like I said, I don't think that there was just three. I think that there was a whole conglomeration. I don't think that it was just three people with three little gifts. We see like, oh, how much gold can you fit in there? No, I think that there was over an abundance because that's the kind of God we serve. How is it that Joseph could take his family to Egypt and live there for three years? Probably didn't have to work because of the gifts that were given. The gifts that were given. They got gold to the point where they're like, well, Listen, we're just going to go. The angel said to go to Egypt. So, okay, we got money for the trip, but we got money to hide out there too. Praise God. As I, as I read through this, I was reminded of a scripture that I had recently read about the, the preparing for the temple. So I want to read that today. First uh, Chronicles 29, David says, Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of God. Is there anybody who has set their affection on Jesus? Is there anybody that set their affection on the Holy Spirit, more of God? Because I have set my affection on the house of God, I have given to the house of God over and above that. I have prepared for the holy house. I've prepared for the temple my own special treasuries of gold and of silver. 3,000 talents of gold. David's going to give 112 tons of gold. I don't own 110, 12 tons of anything. You can, you can add up all my junk, and it doesn't weigh 112 tons. It just doesn't. 
I'm honest. You put all my cars and trucks and everything right on one, one scale. It's not going to equal 112 tons. It's not. The, of the gold of Ophir, which was special, very good gold, of 7,000 talons of refined silver to overweigh, overlay the walls of the houses for the gold, the gold for the things of gold and silver for the things of silver, for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of the craftsmen, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord. So David says, this is what I'm going to give. What are you guys going to give? That's what he's saying. Who, who will consecrate himself this day? He's like, I've been preparing for a minute, so I get it. David gave 112 tons. Remember that number. I'll remind you. Then, <laughs> then the, leaders of the, father, the leaders of the father's houses, leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands and hundreds with the officers over their work offered willingly, and they gave for the house of God 5,000 talons of gold and 10 derricks of gold, which is, equals 188 tons 10,000 talents of silver 8 18,000 talents of bronze and 100,000 talents of iron wow talk about your building project hey we're going to have a, a building project and we need 300 tons of gold <laughs> what 300 tons of gold, today's value, $17.25 billion. 17, we're going to do a building project. I'm, we're not, I'm not, I'm, we're not. I mean, God doesn't want us here. He's moving us on someplace soon, I, I, I'm sure. David says, we're doing a building project. We need $17.25 million, billion, billion dollars of gold, which we don't really grasp that kind of concept of that number. That's a pretty big offering. David's pretty generous here. Wow. One man gave 112, and then everybody else gave 188. Whoa. Talk about leaders given sacrificially. Oh, Jesus. I wonder how much gold those wise men brought. And it doesn't really matter the number because God is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord, our provider. And he gives us, that's, that wasn't one of the names we sang today, but it is who he is. It is who he is. It's not who he was. He is, he, if God doesn't do it today like he did it 100 years ago, then he has to change his name from I am to I was, but he's still the great I am. And so he's still the great provider. He still provides today. He is the great I am. He's not the great I was. Bible tells us, I am the God of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob. I am. Not I was. I still do. God is unchanging. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. And so God is the God of provision. So if, Jesus and, if Joseph had to take Jesus on down to Egypt in a hurry to escape Herod, there's going to be provision there. Listen, I've seen the provision over my life. Every time I have a need, God's there to meet the need. Anything you need, God will provide for. Things that you want, you're going to have to chase after. Part of the problem we have with our needs is that we're filling up our wants before our needs, and now we can't keep up with our needs. Because, <laughs> because we've filled up our wants. Stop filling up your wants. Take care of your needs. 
Someone told me that I needed to tell people what they need to do. Take care of your needs before you take care of your wants. It's really good. It's really good. You guys are awesome. Look at this. You know what this is? This is a picture from my trip in Jerusalem. It talks in scripture about the furnishings of the temple, and we talked about how there was given 30, 300 tons of gold. You know what this is? This is one of the golden lampstands that's prepared. This is actually sits on the street right here, just like this, in Jerusalem to this day. This is one of the 10 golden lampstands that's already been built, that's already been prepared because the Jewish people believe that they will build a third temple. You can see people there in the background that are probably between five and six feet tall, and you can see how big this thing is. Solid gold. How much do you think that thing weighs? It's sitting on the street, guys. Right out in the open, I'm telling you, well, there's dozens of cameras on the thing. And you can't get a car anywhere near it, honestly, the way that they've positioned it. The closest street is like from here to Hoosick away, right? And then that street is this maze of a winding street through the city. And then they close the gates at night. So good luck. So it's pretty safe. I'm saying it's pretty safe. And then they've got this three-inch thick glass dome completely over the top. One of ten. I've been told. I don't know if it's true. I've been told that all of the furnishings for the temple are already made. Wow. Because they're ready. Just one lampstand. It's crazy. Solid gold. We've never, we, I don't know that we've, any of us have ever seen the extravagance. The extravagance. This is... This was done in Solomon's day. It was done again in Herod's day. Herod, in order to make friends with the Jewish people, built the temple even greater than Solomon's temple. Not only did he do everything that was said in Solomon's, he actually built the tower taller. He put gold all around. 300 tons of gold. No wonder why they crashed the thing to the ground and burned it up so that they could get the gold off of it. Not one stone was left upon another, just the way that Jesus said no wonder why the disciples wanted to look to get Jesus and say, hey, look at the temple. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Tons of gold. Tons of gold. I don't think we're aware of the extravagance. But God's not looking for money. We talked about the offering that David brought. We talked about... Uh, all of the, all of, everything that was given, but God is not looking for money. He's looking for obedience. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, oh God, you will not despise. God is looking for your heart. He's not after your pocketbook. He's looking for your heart. But one of the ways that he's sure that he's got your heart is if you're willing to open up your pocketbook. Hebrews 13.5, therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifices of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. How often do you thank God? 
What is God looking for? He's looking for a sacrifice from our heart, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Sometimes we don't want to say thank you to God for certain things and certain stuff that goes on in our life. Thessalonians tells us, give thanks in all things. My wife pointed out to me, we don't have to give thanks for all things, but we give thanks in all things. So when we're in the midst of COVID, we don't have to give thanks for COVID, but we give thanks to God in the midst of COVID. God, I don't know what's going on with this. I don't know how you're going to work this together for your good like scripture promises me, but I want to thank you for this moment of time in which we stand. And I want to thank you what you're going to accomplish through this time. And I believe that right now there is a great draw of people back into the kingdom of God, back into churches, Christians coming back to churches. Why? Because something happened a little while ago and they haven't gotten their hope back. So what does that mean? That means they're ripe. That means they're ready. That means that all you have to do is say, hey, come to church with me. And they'll be like, yeah, I'll go. It's low-hanging fruit. They want to come to church. They just don't even know where to go. Invite somebody to church. Promise yourself, promise me that you're going to invite 10 people to church. Fill your list. It, they say it takes seven invitations. It takes seven invitations for somebody to actually come to church. I'm telling you right now, we've got 14 days before Christmas. <laughs> and I'm not saying that you should call the same person seven times every other day from now until Christmas. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but I'm saying you should invite at least 10 people. You should call at least 10 people. We've got 14 days. Call one person a day from now until Christmas. Invite them to Christmas service. Christmas Eve. Our service will be an hour, I promise. I won't go on like I am today. It'll be an hour, I promise. Therefore, let us continually offer the sacrifices of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his holy name. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Beseech, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Or another translation says, your reasonable act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Present your bodies. Present your whole life as a living sacrifice to God. God, my life is yours. Do with it what you will. Tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. All of the resources that I have, they're yours. I give it all to you. I keep nothing back for myself. Listen, there are, there are only two reasonable responses to Jesus. Jesus came from heaven to the earth at Christmas. He lived a sinless life. He suffered on the cross and he died and was buried and rose from the dead. That's Easter. And he did it to pay the payment for your sins. This is what Jesus did. This is what he said. There are only two reasonable responses. There's only two possibilities. Either Jesus was who he said he was, and he did what he said he did. And if that's the case, then we owe him everything. Our life, our whole life, should be poured out in worship to him. Our whole life, regarding nothing. If Jesus... If you believe that Jesus was who he said he was, 
your whole life poured out as an offering to him. If Jesus was not who he said he was, if he wasn't the son of God, if he wasn't the Messiah, if he, if he didn't come and heal and do the things that he did, then what are we doing here? If Jesus was a fraud, then let's go, let's go play golf. Let's go build something other than this. But if Jesus was the son of God, if Jesus came and lived a sinless life, died on the cross and rose on the third day, bringing healing and fullness of life to everyone that he met, then it is worth our entire life of sacrifice. There are no other options. Anything in the middle is called backslidden. Anything in the middle. And I understand that it takes us time to come from when we first get saved. It takes us time to come to this point where we fully surrender everything to God. But have you moved lately? Have you responded lately? Have you said, God, I want to give you more lately? God, I'm ready to surrender more now. When I first got saved, I surrendered about this much to God. It took me about a year and a half, and I surrendered this to God. And then it took me just a little while longer, and then I was like, everything. But there was an extreme situation in my life that caused me to want to surrender in that way. But there's an invitation today. Will you give your best to God? What kind of a gift do you want to bring to God this Christmas? What's he looking for? Not dollars. What's he looking for? Looking for your heart. Looking for your whole heart. He's looking for your whole life. He's looking for every ounce of you poured out to every ounce of him in response. And then we walk that out and we're saying like, God, what does that look like day to day? God, what does that look like today? We walk into the grocery market. God, what does it look like for me to surrender to you while I do my grocery shopping? God, what does it look like for me to surrender to you while I'm washing the dishes in the kitchen sink? God, what does it look like for me to surrender to you while I'm having a conversation with my friend, my neighbor, my son, my father, my mother? God, what does it look like for me to surrender to you in all things? If you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, if you're here today and you don't understand or you're only beginning to understand, you've never heard this message presented this way about the surrendered life to Christ, I want to invite you to surrender to God today. I want to invite you to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life for the first time. If that's you and you want to do that today, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Pray and ask, Jesus, I am a sinner. I ask that you would come and forgive me of my sins. Come and live inside my heart. Save me to heaven. Heal me from sickness. Deliver me from oppression. I believe that you were the son of God, that you came from heaven, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for my sins, was buried and rose the third day, and are seated at the right hand of God. I give you my life. Come and live inside my heart and help me live for you all of the days of my life. In Jesus' name. 
If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, you just got introduced to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Check the box on your Engage card that says, Today I accepted accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. Check that box. I'm going to send you some information that uh, explains what it means to be a Christian, explains the decision that you just made, and what your next steps are. Your, your next step is to get into a good church. If you like it here, we'd love to have you. If you don't like it here, if there's something, you know, bless you. We'll give you, we'll recommend other churches. Follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If that's you today, we want to celebrate. The Bible says that the angels in heaven celebrate more over just one person who turns to God rather than 99 persons who don't need to turn to God. So if that's you today, we want to celebrate with you. You check that box. Please just make sure your address is good so I can send you that information. Make sure your email address is legible. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for uh, the gift. God, I pray that you would help our hearts. God, that you would speak to our hearts. God, that you would show us the gift that we are to bring to you this Christmas. God, show us where we need to surrender more, where we need to give more. God, we love you, and we want more of you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings at this time. There are multiple ways to give here at Redeeming Love. You can go to our website, redeeminglovechurch.org. Click on the Give tab. If you're on Facebook, click on Learn More. Uh, we also have the Vanco mobile faith app. There's a handout in the corner at the entrance. Handout in the corner over here and at the entrance. Uh, there's a way on there where you can set up recurring giving. Uh, that's the way my wife and I give. And there's also envelopes in the seat backs for cash and for check. As we come to give our offering today, not only are we giving our offering, but we're also giving, uh, the email went out this week, they mentioned, we mentioned it during um, announcements, we're doing our year-end giving program called Kingdom Builders. Kingdom Builders, for those of you who don't know, is our year-end giving, uh, and we invite you to give from now all the way through the middle of January. We've set a goal of $15,000. We want to raise $15,000 through Kingdom Builders, uh, specifically to go to benevolence, evangelism, and to update some of the equipment for the worship team. Some of these cables are old and they're crack and we get some bad sound and we want to we fix as much of that as possible. So you're giving this year. It's going to go to those three areas. Um, you guys have always been so generous. We've never not met our goal, and I have no doubt that we're going to meet that goal this year. Uh, again, today's message, what gift will you bring, wasn't about the money. It just happened to coincide with the fact that today is the launch of our kingdom builders. What will you bring? Pray. You know, if you're ready today, you can give today. Because some of you know that this is coming. You've been praying all year. You've actually been waiting for this day. You didn't know when it was coming. You had an idea, but you were waiting. And so if that's you and you're ready, please, by all means, give to the kingdom builders today. If not, go home and pray and ask God. Say, God, what should I give to the kingdom builders this year? So, 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 so generous you guys are. We, we love you guys. Uh, we actually uh, just met with the board. We're going to up our giving to some of the missions that we give to. So we're able to help the community even more, even more, even more, which we love to do. We, we bless them. Um, I've got nothing to say because you guys are so, so wonderful, so generous. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for today. God, I thank you for uh, every generous heart here. 
God, I pray that you would encourage us to give, not only that you would do that, but God, that you would reward those who give, because your Bible tells us that you do. God, we thank you. Um, we thank you for your generosity, God. And God, we seek to imitate you with our own generosity. We seek to imitate you. We seek to imitate our, our Heavenly Father by giving generous gifts, Lord. God, touch our hearts this morning. Help us to know who you are. Help us to know your heart. And help us to give like our Father. In Jesus' name, amen.